Hey, so good to welcome you to Fields Church Online. And we are so pleased that you've tuned in for this message. No matter what's going on in your world right now, we pray that you come away feeling encouraged by this message. Church, how are we doing? We all all right? Praise the Lord. Well, we're studying the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9. We're going to have a look at... um, we're going to have a look at the gift of faith this morning, and we're going to share on the word of knowledge, uh, the word of knowledge. Um, but we really wanted to do something different with that teaching, so I'm going to teach that on the 18th. That will give us more time because you're going to practice giving words of knowledge. Tell your neighbour, you're going to practice giving words of knowledge. Isn't that good? Oh, Josh has got no one to talk to. Josh, just is that all right? Okay. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do next week. John Eldridge is going to share on. Um, he's going to share on the discerning of spirits so that will be really interesting so be here tell your neighbour tell your friend next to you you need to be here okay so let's turn to our verse first first verse of scripture 1 Corinthians 12 and I'm watching the time because what we're going to do is once I've finished Beth is going to come up I'm going to do an altar call we're going to have prayer ministry team here if you need prayer for anything Please come forward and people will pray for you. And then we're going to go out and deliver the um, invites for the carol service. Isn't that a good idea? You happy to do that? How many are happy to go out and do that? Oh, most of us. That's good. Wonderful. Okay. You at 1 Corinthians 12 verse 9. It says there to another. I love this. The Amplified says this. Wonder working faith is given by the same Holy Spirit. What is the gift of faith? Here's a definition of the gift of faith. You might have one yourself. What is the gift of faith? Let's have a look. Look at that. The gift of faith is the supernatural ability to believe God for the impossible without doubt, trusting he's going to do it. I'll read that again. The gift of faith is the supernatural ability To believe God for the impossible without doubt, trusting he's going to do it. Well, you might say, well, pastor, I don't know whether I have any faith. You know, there's different aspects of faith. There's saving faith. We're saved by faith through grace, aren't we? There's sustaining faith. That's the faith that we build in our lives as we hear the word of God. Where does faith come from? Hearing and hearing the word of God. So if you've got no faith today or very little faith... The more you hear the word of God, faith will rise. Faith will grow in your heart. You'll become stronger in your faith. How many of you need to be stronger in your faith? This guys, this side here, there's about four people who need to be stronger. What about this side? Oh, there's a few more. There's about 12 there. How about this side? Every one of you. Yeah, I think you win. That's great. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back like that. You win. Okay, firstly, God has given, us, given each one of us the measure of faith. Now turn with me to Romans 12. Just go there. We're on a journey. We're learning more about the Holy Spirit every week as we go through this series. And we're just going to take one gift at a time and just see how we go. Is that all right? Okay, Romans 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me. Everyone say grace. Say grace has been given to me. Say grace is a free gift. I receive all the grace that I need. That's a bit weak. Come on. To everyone, everyone say everyone, Everyone. who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, 
but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one. Everyone say each one. A measure of faith. Say that. I have the measure. I have the measure of faith that God gives me. So we can see clearly here that each one of us has the measure of faith. Okay. So the measure of faith and the gift of faith are two totally different things. And hopefully we're going to discuss what that means today. How many of you went to uh, Life Group this week? I really encourage you to go to Life Group because what you do, what we do on a Sunday is we teach a message. And you might not be able to grasp everything that's been said on a Sunday. So in your Life Group, you can discuss these things. Has there been some interesting discussion around the Word of Wisdom? Some of it can be really confusing, can't it? Because we think the Word of Wisdom, the Word of Knowledge, what are they? Are they the same? Are they different? What are they? We're going to try and explain those as the weeks go on. Is that all right? So each one of you needs to be in a life group to discuss this topic and then study for yourself these deeper truths. Amen? It takes years to study these things and, and gain understanding and wisdom as we grow in our faith. How many of you want to grow in your faith? Yeah, yeah that's good. I'm sure we all do. Okay. So what we need to do is to consciously exercise our faith. How do we do that? By practicing it, don't we? Amen? We exercise faith. Uh, We exercise our faith by stepping out in these gifts and giving it a go. Do you want to give it a go? Some of you are not quite sure. I think some of you should be sure, surer than you are. You know, faith is like a muscle and we need to use it. Otherwise, what's going to happen with that muscle? It's going to waste away and die, isn't it? Okay, go down to verse 5 for me. Romans 12, verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ... And individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Can you see that? Grace is given to us. Now let's have a look at verse 6. It says there, Let us, let us, us, not just me, let us, use them. Here's the problem, are we using the gifts? Maybe we're so confused we don't know what they're about. So we're not sure how to step out. Well, if you get to life group, you will be able to step out. We can use these gifts not just in a church service. Every Sunday we give opportunity, not today, but most Sundays we give opportunity for people to come out and share words of knowledge. Amen? Do we do that? Well, you can do that anywhere. You can do that in your life group. And I suggest that you do that, that you practice these things in your life group. When you pray for people, let's, just, well, let's, let's not just go to a life group just to attend, sing a couple of songs, you know, discuss a message. Let's start practicing our faith right there in the life group. And wherever you go in your world, whether you work, if you work, if you've got a job, how many of you have got a job? It, you're, that's your place, that's your place of, of work. That's, that's what I'd call your congregation. When I first got saved, someone sh- uh, shared this in a message one, one week. And I thought, that's great. I'm like a pastor in that congregation. I'd pray for my work friends. And then I'd share my faith with them. Then I'd invite them to church. You see? So you've got a great opportunity to share your faith with everybody else. So we need to use these gifts on a daily basis if we can. So here's a takeaway for you. Give it a go. Tell your neighbour, give it a go. Let's look at the next part of that verse. If prophecy 
Let, look at this. Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. I think this is really important. Or whatever you're going to, however you're going to use these gifts, you need to do that, do that in proportion to your faith. Where is your faith level? You know, it's no good praying for a pair of shoes if you can only believe for a pair of shoelaces. Start, start with a pair of shoelaces first. That's where you start, isn't it? When someone's sick and you're in your life group or you're at home, what would you do if one of your kids is sick, if those of you who've got children or one of your friends is sick? What's the first thing that we should do? Pray for them. Yeah? Should we do that? Yes. Are you awake today? Yes. Hallelujah. Have you had a good night's sleep? No. Yes. No, some of us not. No. Okay. So you need to be aware. You step out in faith when you know where your level of faith is at. And the more you exercise faith, it will just be, it will just be like every, an everyday occurrence to do these things. When um, we had some uh, people from the church, Anna and Dan, came to visit us at the farm during, you know, when you could meet with people during lockdown. So we started meeting families. And uh, we were sitting in Andrew's on the farm. We went to the farm and he's got a lovely little summer house. So we were there with Dan and, and Anna and the kids were running around and they were playing. And we were just chatting about everyday things. And then Anna said, you know what? I've got this problem with my leg. I've got one leg shorter than the other. I said, well, let's pray. So we sat right there and just prayed in the moment. I didn't have to spend three hours in prayer beforehand. In the moment, we prayed for her leg and her leg grew out. Because she said she, she was experiencing pain in her, in her hip and she was healed. And then we just carried on with our conversation. And it was just like matter of fact. Just step out and do these things. And it takes courage, doesn't it? It takes a bit of courage, but step out. Okay. The gift of faith is when you're absolutely sure... God is going to do what he says he will do. That's what the gift of faith is all about. The gift of faith is when you are fully persuaded, fully convinced that God will do what he says he will do without wavering. Now, personal example. I'll share a personal example. And we're going to have a look at a couple of Bible verses to um, discuss this. You know, when our church in South Africa... We had to go to South Africa. Esther and I, we emigrated to South Africa in the 80s. And her parents were Christians. We got saved, went to a big church. And the church in South Africa had many pastors. And one day our, our senior pastor called all the pastors in to a, a meeting. And he said, many of you people, many of you pastors here are not going to be here much longer. We thought, oh dear, we're going to lose our jobs. How many, how many of you would have thought that? And he said, many of you are going to be sown around the world and we're going to plant churches wherever God leads us to plant. And Esther and I knew that we were going to come back to, to England to plant a church. And what they would do is they would support each pastor with six months salary. So whatever salary you had, they gave you six months. Because we were going overseas, they said they're going to give us 10 months support. So in the January of that year, of 1997, that was the year we decided we were going to come back. We had to tie all of our affairs up and we only left South Africa in April. So we've had four months of support already. We came to England and we got seven months or six months of, of support left. And we came with £600 in our pocket. We had to rent a house and buy a car. I bought an old car. And our first service that we held in August, was we had a few services before that, just as a family, because we didn't know how to start a church. Coming from another nation with no support, 
coming to this place in Suffolk, Ipswich, we thought, what, what are we going to do when we get there? It's really, really challenging. We found it really challenging to start this work from scratch. But we did, and we started in the August, and the first service that we had, Mark, I think Mark was at the first or the second service, I had the lectern in the back of the car. So I'm driving down the road, and I've got the lectern in the back, I've got my guitar. We used to have A4 or A3, or what is it, sheets of paper on the, stuck on the wall with the words on. That's how we started. That's how we started church. And um, it's coming up to October now. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we've got support until October. We only started the church in August. We've got a few people. We only had eight or nine or ten people. So the church couldn't support us. So in that October, I went before God and I said, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I will run the church, start the church, and I will work at the same time. And I heard, heard God clearly speak to me and say, I want you to go full-time. I want you to trust me that I'm going to meet your every need. So come the end of October, the money comes. November comes, and I just go before God, and I said, Lord, you said I'm going to be full-time. You said you're going to meet my need. I'm going to trust your word in that. And I was absolutely convinced, fully persuaded that God was going to meet our need every single month. We had no savings. We had no money in the bank. The church offerings were about 20 or 30 quid. So that couldn't support us. We were receiving rands. So they were converted into pounds. So there wasn't a huge amount of money to run the ministry from. And then buy equipment and start the church. Buy chairs, rent a hall. It was really challenging. And come November, I went before God and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I told you, just trust me. I'm going to meet your every need. God met our needs in November. The first, of, um, the first of December came, no money. The 10th of December came, no money. The 20th of December came, no money. The 24th of December, the money came. I was promised money until October. But we gave thanks in December and said, Lord, we're going to trust that you're going to meet every need. That money came in for the next two years. We never told them what need we had. And they never contacted us and said, how are you doing? We, we were just on our own, literally. Our church is 6,000 miles away. But we trusted God and we put our faith in him. And I was absolutely persuaded that God was going to meet every single need every month. And he did. And he still does. Isn't God good? Yeah. God's good. Say God's good. I believe that was the gift of faith in operation where I was fully persuaded. I wasn't worried. I wasn't concerned. And God did it. Okay, let's have a look at that in the life of Noah. Just I'm just going to say that. What about in the life of Noah when God told him about building an ark? Had he seen a flood before? Had he seen rain before? What did he do? He just got on and did what God called him to do. What about Abraham? Let's have a look at that in the life of Abraham very briefly. Let's go to Romans 4.19. And I think these, some of these verses are the most amazing things we see in Scripture. If we just grasp about the heroes of faith that have gone before us, like Abraham and Moses. And guys like that. Now, God had told Abraham at 75 that he was going to have a baby. How many 75-year-olds would have panicked? There's a few us in here, just maybe just over 70. A lot of, most of us are young at heart, aren't we, John? But how many would have panicked if God said, you're going to have a baby at 75? Now, he trusted God until he was 90. 25 years later, he had a son. 
Isaac, right? And we pick up the story. Let's have a look at this. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his, his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. How would your faith have been if you didn't consider your own body, that your body was dead and your wife's body was dead and God said, you're going to have a baby? How many of you would have thought, what are you talking about? That's crazy. But he didn't. It says, the Bible says that he trusted God. Let's go to verse 20. And I know some of these verses might be familiar to you, but let's just see it in the light that we see it. Lovely. Okay, look at that. He did not waver at the promise of God through what? Unbelief. You know, unbelief is a killer to our faith, is an enemy to our faith. He did not waver through unbelief, but was what? Strengthened. How was he strengthened? He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Look at this. I love this. And this is what I held on to. If Abraham can believe God and trust God for this promise, when God sent us here, why, why shouldn't I do the same thing? Because God is no respecter of persons. I've been to Bible college, Bible school. I've got training coming out of my I was trained to death. But I hadn't got a clue how to start a church. We just came in faith with passion and a vision to start this church. But we were fully convinced that God was going to do what he said. So these verses really helped me to stay unwavering in my faith. But Abraham had no Bible. He hadn't been to faith school. He hadn't done the 12 confessions of faith, whatever they are. Had he? So how can he just have that kind of faith? I think that's amazing. And being fully convinced that he had promised that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Did Abraham have any physical evidence of that child being born at that time, when God said, you're going to have a child? No, he was fully persuaded that God would do what he said he would do. It was impossible in the natural. But, who likes a but in scripture? All things are, you finish the verse, all things are possible to God, or all things are possible to those who... Believe, you believe. I don't know whether you believe or not. What about Abraham's sacrifice? Let's go to Hebrews 11.17. Lovely at work that time. The New King James. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. How many of you would have been scared to death if God said, I want you to go and take your son, the son you believed for 25 years, You've been waiting for him for 25 years. Now go and sacrifice your son. I know some mums and dads would like to uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe practice doing that. But what did Abraham do? God just said to Abraham, I want you to go and go and take your son and go and kill him. He probably thought, that's great, I'll do that. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's harsh, isn't it? <laughs> that is a bit harsh. The more I think about that, there's sometimes when you want to... Anyway, getting on with the story, I'm going away from it. It says, when God was testing, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Can you imagine doing that? Absolutely unbelievable. Verse 18, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Look at this. This verse is absolutely astounding, isn't it? And you might know this verse, but just get a fresh revelation of, of what, what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. Abraham reasoned 
that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. He had no Bible, no training. God said, just go and do this. And he went off and he went to do it. I believe that was the gift of faith in operation. He had no Bible, no training, but he just trusted God. What about the woman with the issue of blood? You know this story as well? Mark 5, 28, the New King James says this. For he said, if only, she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I will be made well. What a statement of faith that is. Did she pray that prayer after Jesus prayed for her or before? So there was no evidence. She said, if only I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. That's faith. That's the gift of faith that I believe in operation. She believed before she saw the results. What about the next verse of scripture? What did Jesus say to her in verse, in verse 34? Oh, lovely when it works, isn't it? That's it, isn't it? Don't move. Oh. Sorry, it's so distracting. Okay. Let's just do it its own thing. Oh, it's Frankie doing it. Oh, well done, Frankie. I'm glad someone's on the ball. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I believe that was the gift of faith in operation. If only I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. What about when we pray for the sick? What about this? James 5.14. New King James, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish right there. It says, If any among you sick, let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the person well. When we pray for people, we're going to close our eyes just now. We're going to just ask people if they want to receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And then we're going to get the prayer team up and they're going to pray for you. And then Beth's going to come up and show us where we're going to go to deliver these leaflets. But let's just stay in the moment, in this moment, just for a second. And when people pray for you, just believe and just receive. You know, Jesus is the one who makes us whole, who heals us, who delivers us, who sets us free. It's not the person praying. They've just got to pray in faith. That's all they've got to do. Pray in faith and trust God that he's going to move in the life of that person. That's why we... We do this. This is how we do this. You know, unbelief and doubt are killers to our faith. And I know we doubt sometimes. Like that guy that came to Jesus. And Jesus said, believe. And this man said, just help me in my unbelief. And he healed his daughter. So I know this has been quite a short message. And maybe I can just share a little bit next week. Or the week after about this a little bit more.